This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus. We're all together here as we navigate just uh, a little bit less than a week now until the early December 19th signing day. So uh, lots of recruiting to get to in today's show as uh, Nate and I will, will dedicate two full segments to recruiting. We're going to talk some Nebraska basketball as the Huskers, like many teams across the country, are on finals week. So if you, if you notice, if you watch, try to watch ESPN this week, there's very little college basketball on television this week because everybody is doing finals around the country. That's like Nebraska right now. Uh, they won't play again until Sunday up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'll be going up there for fun. Robin will be going up there for work. Uh, Greg, our video producer, may be going with Robin, too. That's a whole other story. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll discuss that trip up to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, um, as well as take your questions in the mailbag. But out of the gates, I wanted to get to roster attrition and uh, kind of roster management here. It's just that time of year. The semester's coming to a close. Um, guys across the country are coming and going once those final grades come in or once you graduate, maybe at midterm, you're looking to possibly be a graduate transfer. And really, that's been one of the more intriguing Husker football storylines uh, that's kind of played out here over the last week. Number one, the first bit of attrition happened. Uh, Justin McGriff, a true freshman, tight end slash receiver slash played outside linebacker for a little bit at the end of the season slash he's no longer with the team anymore. Justin McGriff announced um, he's leaving the program. Um, kind of a surprise just because we felt like the guy had promise, but you know, we never really got to see much. I, I think when you saw him, you're like, wow, this gets tall. He's big. Um, let Zach Duvall kind of go to work with him and see what happens. But we're not even ready to see that happen. He announced he's going to leave the program. Were you surprised, Robin? Not not entirely. Uh, you know, I think there was, like you said, he was an intriguing player, but I just don't think anybody knew where to put him. Um, you know, he was either going to be a really big wide receiver or a smaller end tight end uh, that, you know, I don't know if was physical enough to play on the edge uh, and wasn't fast enough to play on the perimeter. So it was kind of limited in, you know, maybe his role in this offense. I mean, obviously a big target like that, you can find things to do with him, but um, you know, I'm sure Nate can speak to this more. It seems like you know they're already kind of recruiting over him um, for that role, and so uh, maybe the writing was on the wall there that you know it was just better for both Nate, parties to move on. Nate, was he playing defense officially? I mean, do you know? Like, I, I never really got a clear answer why he switched to number 46 and why he was going through outside linebacker drills um, at the end of the year. I, well, as far as I know, they were prepping him to make the move to outside linebacker essentially because I, they didn't really have anybody that looked like him at that position they want to add length there um you know they want their outside linebackers ideally to be six four to six six big long athletic guys and that's i mean that's what mcgriff was but i think it was a little bit of a stretch to 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 make that move completely when you're talking about a kid who you know a year ago was playing wide receiver uh, and then kind of made the transition to tight end and then to outside linebacker. I mean, that's a lot of movement in, in less than a year to, to make. But, um, yeah, I was kind of surprised about it, to be honest with you. I, I know that he was a very hard worker. He's a smart kid. Um, you know, in, in Nebraska clearly liked him because he was only one, he was one of two 
commits that that Scott Frost and his staff brought with them. Katerin Legrone was the other. Katerin Legrone came over from Central Florida too. I mean, those those were the two guys that that they poached, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, from from uh, Central Florida's commitment list when when the whole staff came over. So clearly, they liked what they you know what they saw from those guys out of high school. Uh, I just think that. I think that at the end of the day, he didn't really have a position, and with the way Nebraska's recruiting right now, um, I, I think it was going to be hard for him to, to find his way onto the football field because I think that he was going to be kind of recruited over um, in, in just a year's time or so. So I, w- I would kind of anticipate him going to uh, maybe a smaller, maybe a group of five school probably. Yeah, it'll be interesting. He's already burned the red shirt, so um, his options if he wants to play next year are fairly limited at that point. Uh, you're listening here to the Oscar Online Show as we discuss kind of some of the latest roster movement here that's happened uh, with Nebraska, and that brings us to graduate transfers. As we know, Nebraska is going to be in the market for potential graduate transfer players. Uh, One has already appeared, Darian Daniels, a defensive tackle from Oklahoma State, a former four-star recruit from 2015, the brother of Damian Daniels out of Dallas Bishop Dunn High School. Now, it was reported uh, by multiple outlets in Oklahoma that he was coming to Nebraska. It's not yet officially been announced by Daniels. Nebraska can't confirm anything yet. Nate, what do you know about Darian Daniels? Well, I know he was a four-star coming out of high school, a very highly ranked, highly touted player. Um, it was – I mean, he's basically been Oklahoma State's – or if not the top defensive lineman on the past couple of years, he's been the you know right at the top of their, their defensive line the past couple of years. Um, and that he was such an important part of the team and such a leader that after he suffered his season-ending injury, he was still on the travel roster. Um, you know, Gundy put him on the travel roster because he was such a an important voice and, and leader on that squad. But uh, when he went out, you know, needed the surgery on his pinky finger or whatever that that just so happened to, to happen the fourth game of the season that that preserved his his uh, year of eligibility and uh, allowed him to to redshirt and and kind of give him an opportunity to play with his brother for one final season. And then lastly, guys, I wanted to get to the senior awards um, and then the the regular season awards that were announced by Nebraska uh, last week as well, as as we didn't really get a chance to go over these. Really not a lot of surprises. Uh, Offensive MVP, Stanley Morgan, defensive MVP, Muhammad Barry. I think maybe you could have argued J.D. Spielman had a shot at that, but Stanley played all 12 games. Uh, J.D. was injured down the stretch, so no surprise those two guys. Um, Adrian Martinez um, gets the offensive back award. Uh, Spielman wins the receiver. Offensive line award went to Gerald Foster. I think there are a number of guys you could argue there besides Foster, uh, but you know he gets the nod. Khalil Davis named defensive lineman of the year. DiCaprio Boodle, defensive back of the year. Special teams, my guy Jeremiah Stovall from Creighton Prep. Watched the first couple games in the bleachers for Nebraska. Earns the special teams award. And these, and these are always two of my favorites. Offensive scout, defensive scout team players of the year. Uh, Wyatt Lever, um, um, a, a receiver out of uh, O'Neill, And then Ryan Schomer, a defensive lineman out of Norfolk, win the offensive and defensive scout team players of the year. Now the big awards um, that they hand out, um, Stanley Morgan, he won the, uh, the Chamberlain Award. Divino Zigbo won the Novak and then Mick Stoltenberg won the Cletus Fisher Native Son Award. So that's a rundown. Robin, any thoughts on that group of players? 
Yeah, not a lot of surprises. Um, you know, with the guys at the top, offensive MVP, Stanley Morgan, I mean, goes without saying. Muhammad Barry, same way. Uh, and obviously, Adrian Martinez is what that was. But I think that the big um, one that maybe you could have a little debate upon, like you mentioned, was Foster as the offensive lineman. And, you know, he was a senior captain, played every game. Um, it's kind of a mainstay in that group where, you know, outside of maybe – the tackles uh, no one else could even say that and so I, I guess Tanner Farmer could be in that discussion um, certainly Farniak or Hymas but I don't know I, I guess good for Foster I guess <laughs> <laughs> Nate your thoughts on well, the awards yeah I agree that I think that's probably the one the one that you could make an argument that could go a different way and um, yeah, I think at the end of the day it probably has to go or it makes sense to to give it to a senior that's on their way out and and so that leaves you with Foster or Farmer um, you know both guys were were big played big roles on the line so uh, it's probably a coin toss to be honest with you but um, you know I'm, I'm with you Sean I, I always like to see the scout team players of the year how about White Lever yeah you know and that really surprised me because He's a guy that came in in I mean he's 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 tall. Uh he's 6'3", he's very athletic. He's a heck of a basketball player. I, I think he um you know, he's three three or four sport athlete coming out of O'Neal um and, and had a tremendous junior year and his senior year was kind of cut short with the injury. Uh, but he was really skinny. I mean, he needed a lot to do a lot of work with Zach Duvall. So for him to to win that award, I think shows you or, or tells you that he's come a long way. And then our guy Ryan Schomer, you know Scott Frost, he, he has to absolutely love to see, you know, small town Nebraska community kids like this win these types of awards because it just really backs up the message of what he's trying to do uh, with the walk-up program. And there's no guarantee these guys are even going to be players on the field for Nebraska, but the culture they bring behind the scenes, that's really kind of what that award exemplifies. Yeah, it means they're doing all the right things, um, you know, in practice and, and off the practice field, and, and that they're, uh, they're definitely, at the very least, they're pushing, pushing the starters on that scout team. All right, when we come back, we are going to shift the conversation over to Nebraska basketball as it got a little chippy. It wasn't so Nebraska nice for Creighton uh, this past Saturday. We'll get some final thoughts from Robin Washett on that and then get you ready for the game in Sioux Falls on Sunday. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I mean, I'll be happy when we get 13 more, but I mean, it was a great day to be a Husker, but other than that, we just march on because we got a good Oklahoma State team, and then Fullerton went to the NCAA last year, and Brad Bigler at Southwest, my former school, like, I don't trust that game for the Lincoln. You just have to stay. I'll probably enjoy it on the golf course, you know, uh, out of out at Lincoln Country Club or Firethorn or something like that, but but uh, not till then. And welcome back here to the Husker Heartline Show. That was head Nebraska basketball coach Tim Miles, and I'll tell you what he probably really wanted to say. You're dang right I'm excited we beat Creighton. We haven't beat these guys ever since I've been here. I've never beat Greg McDermott in anything in my life, and it felt good to shove it to those guys after they've kind of shoved it to me the last few years, and I had fun cussing back and forth to Greg McDermott at half court. What did you think of all that, Robin, as we bring in Robin Wash? I mean, that was, that was about as un-Nebraska nice. How about, like, even on the Husker Vision board, you saw them, like, show things like it, I couldn't believe that. Like, it didn't say it didn't spell out the word, but it just said F Jaskers. No, it was F uh, asterisk 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 Jaskers. 
I mean, like <laughs> about as close to dropping an F-bomb on the big screen as they get. So I'm sure someone got a talking to about filtering out the big screen tweets a little bit. They better. got a little emotional in the yeah, rivalry. That, got <laughs> that was about as good of a rivalry setting as we've seen in Pinnacle Bank Arena and pff, maybe even going back to Devaney uh, in a long, long Since time. Since like Missouri. Yeah, I mean, because uh, for one, obviously Creighton – brings out the the best and the worst of Nebraska fans uh, as a rivalry should. But two, this was, you know, obviously for months now, we've been talking about how this was the year Nebraska was finally going to get it done. The streak was going to be ended. Uh, Nebraska, on paper, was the better team. Um, The only question was... Psychologically. Yeah, would the Huskers have it between the years to get it done? And uh, they answered that question in a major way. They dominated the Creighton, not only on the scoreboard, but they won every 50-50 ball. They won every loose ball. They won every single winning play you could possibly make in that game to where every time Creighton looked like they were starting to make a run, Nebraska had one, two, or three answers right in a row to keep them at arm's length. And, uh, I mean, that was a statement game in a lot of different ways. It was a important game in so many different ways for Tim Miles, for Nebraska, for this fan base. Um, and even in the context of this season. And so for them to finally get that done, especially coming off the heels of a disastrous uh, letdown at Minneapolis a few days earlier, um, that was about as timely of a performance as they could possibly ask. Yeah, of the 16,000, near 16,000 that were there, what would you estimate? I mean, there might have been 1,000 Creighton fans in there. If that. I mean, that was probably the least amount of blue I've seen during that game, I mean, in Lincoln. Uh, So credit to Nebraska fans for showing up. Well, maybe Creighton fans kind of knowing what was coming yeah didn't didn't, want to expose themselves to that (laughs) I I mean I noticed I mean there were some prominent people I noticed that had Creighton stuff on and they zipped up their coats (laughs) on the way out they didn't want to be seen and then uh, one guy was getting because they at the under four you started to see people leaving especially on those floor seats Mm -hmm. I mean it's really obvious when you're exiting out those doors you gotta walk the gauntlet a little bit and (laughs) trust me we've had a lot of Nebraska fans leave um, games early and you know you get people yelling Nebraska fans but this was Nebraska fans just belittling Creighton fans yeah. well they were booing them when they were walking into the arena before the game too so I mean that was a I'm sure a fun time for Creighton fans yeah and you know, I mean Creighton's won 16 out of 20 games in this game rivalry so Nebraska's got a long ways to yeah. go a lot, a lot of pent-up aggression that was getting unleashed in that one but yeah I mean it's stuff like when we were out on the bull trip in Nashville a couple years ago a Husker football fan was on our flight, and he literally, literally in front of our yes, eyes, we watched it. Switched his Husker gear into a Creighton shirt because Creighton played that, that Villanova. Day. Yeah, they played Villanova at noon in Omaha, and it was number one ranked Villanova at that time, I believe, or they were up then. That that was when Creighton was like, yeah, that was a big one. That was when Creighton was like Final Four good until yeah. uh, was it uh, Foster? Yeah, Maurice, Maurice uh, Washington. Mo Watson, Mo Watson got Washington. got uh, and hurt at that point. Whatever his name is. But anyway, yeah, we were, we were, I mean that that was built up stuff like that. I Mister mean, didn't win an NCAA tournament game. That's what it is. <laughs> but nonetheless, <laughs> now as we talk basketball, and by the way, this segment brought to you by our good friends at Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, five locations in Omaha, one in Lincoln. Get on into any one of those six Omaha and Lincoln area Tanners. It's your home for the college football bowl season, NFL on the weekends as well as Husker basketball, um, and they'll have a big one Sunday night, Robin, 6 o'clock on the road, and I'm so excited for this. I mean, this is just cool to go up to a smaller, almost kind of like a high school-sized arena, what, 3,500 seats? 3,200, that's what they say. Sanford Arena um, to play Oklahoma State. It's going to be almost all, if not all, Nebraska fans. 
give us the backstory. How did this all happen? Why are they playing a game in Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Well, the Sanford Pentagon is kind of a um, basketball-rich uh, venue. It's really small, but, you know, they've done a lot of cool things there. They've hosted plenty of games like this. I think Once Iowa, a year, right? Iowa played there last Colorado. year in Colorado. And so, I mean, Missouri's gone up there. Minnesota. Yeah, and so there, this is nothing new for them. Um, but when way Nebraska got involved was – uh, a couple years ago, you know, they were really wanting to uh, rekindle some of those Big 8, Big 12 rivalry games. And what they wanted was a home-and-home home, like they got with Kansas because, you know, that obviously went really well for them. The uh, fans loved it, and so they wanted to keep that going. They contacted Oklahoma and couldn't get anything worked out. They contacted Kansas State, couldn't get it worked out. And so finally they kind of switched their approach and said, well, maybe we'll have better success doing something in a neutral site. And so they, you know, uh, had some contacts. Tim Miles did, you know, being from South Dakota uh, with the guys that run the Pentagon up there. And, um, you know, that seemed like a no-brainer venue for them and got Oklahoma State to it's agree Husker to country it. up there. Exactly. And so um, with teams moving more and more to those neutral site games uh, because of the value you get in the quadrant system, um, I mean, it's I think you're going to see this become the norm, um, especially for you know a team like Nebraska that needs to beef its schedule up as much as possible. Uh, it's a win-win because you get the neutral site reward, you get to play in a cool, unique, um, you know, Husker-driven town uh, that's going to be. I mean, I think the entire town of Dolan, South Dakota, is going to be there, uh, and you know, Sioux Falls in general is a huge Nebraska town. And I know there's going to be a special loads of dudes like you that I'm are going, going to be yeah, 28 of us there. on a bus. Yeah, so it's it's going to be fun, you know. If, 3,200, I don't know if I've ever seen a Nebraska game remotely close to that small. I mean, there were some 4,000-ish crowds at Devaney during the dark years. But it was never announced at 4,000. Exactly, but there were. And uh, But this is, this is going to be unique. It's going to be intimate. It's going to be fun. And it, for Nebraska, as far as the season is concerned, this is a big opportunity to get a neutral site win over a Power 5 or high major team uh, that you know would really cap off what has been overall a pretty darn good non-conference slate. Probably the best non-conference, if they win this game, and then they can beat Cal State Fullerton and Southwest Minnesota State, which we expect them to win those two Saturday bye games on the 22nd and 29th of December. Uh, on, of December. Would you say that this is the best non-conference slate Nebraska's had, I mean, since like the knee 1990s era? Yeah. I mean, they've scheduled at – you know, close to this difficult. I mean, a couple of years ago when they thought they were going to have Andrew White, I mean, they, they beefed it up hard. <laughs> they played at Kansas. Yeah. Didn't they play like the Ball Brothers? Yeah, and... they played UCLA in that tournament uh, out in Anaheim uh, and gave UCLA a run for their money. But, you know, eventually that schedule wore them down. But as far as strength of schedule and then getting actual quality wins, yeah, I put this right up at the top. I mean, I don't even know what would be comparable. But, yeah, they've gone on the road. And this is interesting. I was listening to Graham Couch from the Lansing newspaper. He was on a Kansas City sports talk show to, uh, this weekend. And in his poll, he refuses to, an AP vote, voter. He will not put a team in his poll that does not play a non, a road game. So there are several teams in college basketball yeah, yeah, yeah. that haven't even played a road game. Because everybody's doing neutral side. And so his rule of thumb is I will not put you in my poll until you play a road game. Yeah, and he's got like, didn't he not have Duke ranked? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, okay, whatever. It's, it's, it's interesting, though, because uh, Syracuse is one of those teams that doesn't go on the road either in the non-con, yeah. but they had to play ACC Big Ten Challenge, so they made the poll. Uh, but Nebraska's been to Clemson. Mm -hmm. I guess that's their only true road game, right? Yeah, because the, the the other games would be down in Neutral, Kansas City, two in then, Kansas City. Well, they got Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, but that's conference conference that games. So, yeah, I mean, with neutral site games, you really only schedule. I mean, you have your conference challenges, 
and then maybe one other game that could mm-hmm. be a home and home, and that would be Creighton for Nebraska, yeah. right? And that's that's why I mean, just as far as scheduling logistics are concerned, these like single play neutral site games are so popular because for one, you don't have to commit a two year uh, window to a school, uh, and you both get the value. You you don't have to play a true road game, but you get rewarded the quadrant points or whatever you want to call it uh, for going away from your home venue. Would Nebraska? ever look at doing one in Omaha remember years ago they played Oregon in Omaha yeah and you get the you'd get the neutral points for it but would I guess would I wonder if CenturyLink would even allow I mean it would yeah. be a lot of logistics with the, with the Creighton thing there I'm sure that would make it well hard. Creighton had it back then too yeah but they played Oregon beat Oregon in Omaha I just wonder if they'd ever go back to like say if Iowa State said I'll play you but we'll do it in Omaha yeah I would I don't know that's interesting because I know that if they're reluctant to give up those home games because they mean so much for the, the, the city of Lincoln oh, and yeah. downtown. And so, I mean, to take one of those away, especially a marquee, you know, non-conference matchup, it, they would have to. So, like, they're making $100,000 from the Sanford Pentagon for this game. So, I mean, that. Are they bussing or flying? They're bussing. Wow. Yeah. So that, they're they're only, slumming it. Only game all year they're going to They bust. are. I mean, Nebraska, that, that's crazy. You, you, I, I mean, just because it gets, it's going to get over late at night. Yeah, and they're not so going to get back till 1 in the morning. Wreck, but, I mean, they're taking the big plane, uh, the, the university plane, for every other game. So, they'll, they'll be riding in style every other game. Well, it should be interesting. Robin will be up in Sioux Falls uh, working. I will be up there not working, enjoying it. Uh, but I'm sure we'll see you, Robin, at the game on Sunday. Yeah, make sure you have a Coors Light or two for me. <laughs> Maybe three. Yeah. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we are going to bring in Husker Online intern Allie Snow. We're going to take your questions in the mailbag. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Pleased to welcome in Husker Online intern, newly 21-year-old intern, <laughs> Allie Snow. All right, before we get going here, how was the how was the night? How was 21? Was it a fun night? I'm, survi- I'm surprised I'm still alive right now, honestly. <laughs> That's the that mean, most... That means it was successful. Good <laughs> the job. The most drinking I've ever done in my life, but no, it was fun. Worst I'm- shot you drank. Oh, somebody kept buying me, buying me Vegas bombs oh, yeah. at the bar. Those aren't bad. They're not bad, but people kept buying them. I'm yeah. like, okay, sure, I'll have another one. And They're good for your heart. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> no. I don't know about that, but. No Sambuca they, or. No, I and I'm sad because I only got to go to like two bars because we went way too late. Mm. So. Where'd you, yeah, you got you kids don't go out till like midnight. Yeah, now. we went at like 1230. And what? yeah, we only got to go to two bars. I was asleep so. for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> but so you had turned 21 at 12 and then went out at 1230? Actually, so my birthday was on Monday, but Friday we went out. So that was the first bar experience, but we just went out way too late. Well, happy birthday from everybody here from the Husker Online family. Thank um, I'm you. sure you had a great, great time. Let's get to the questions. What do you have? All right. So for the first question, which position group is going to improve the most in 2019 with the incoming recruits and transfers? Well, this is a tough one to go first on. Um, I, st- I, I still think just the playmaker aspect of what they're going to bring in with the recruiting class, and I don't even know if you call it a position group. I mean, just the amount of slash players coming in. Um, when you look at all the bodies like Wandell Robinson and, 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 and just the pieces they're bringing in, um, I think you're going to see you know, it was so heavily dependent on Stanley and JD. I think you're going to see some new faces come in 
um, that give them more than just JD. I think right now there's a fear. Oh, you know, this team is just JD Spielman as a playmaker. Um, I think there's enough bodies, like three or four of them, coming in where at least two of them, I feel, will will be difference makers from day one. Yeah, I would think the secondary too is going to get a boost uh, just with the number of athletes they're going to actually have at their disposal. Uh, you know, they were really limited just on numbers, especially at the cornerback position, and that's going to change, I think, in a big way. Not only with the guys they're bringing in, but with the the leftovers from last year's class that um, you know maybe were able to redshirt with the new rule. Uh, so I think that they're going to have just a, a much deeper talent pool um, in that secondary, and that's going to be a huge advantage for them going forward. I'm going to say the offensive line. I, I think that you're bringing in a guy that could start right away with Desmond Bland and then another true freshman that could possibly play uh, in, in uh, Bryce Benhart, and you're also adding a, a, a couple other guys that are going to uh, provide a lot of depth there down the road. Okay, um, you kind of spoke about Wandell and J.D., but who do you see as the number three receiver for next year, assuming Wandell and J.D. are two and one? I still have to think Mike Williams makes a big jump. Um, I, I, I just think that he showed too much promise early on where they felt confident enough to name him a starter week one. He's a big weight room guy. Um, he only had like 22 balls thrown his way. I mean, the, the, the amount of targets. When you look at the final target chart of Nebraska's receivers – um, after J.D. and Stanley. It's pretty astounding. Um, if you combined all the targets up after J.D. and Stanley, it still wouldn't be equal to the targets that J.D. or Stanley got, uh, got at receiver. Um, so they clearly don't have anyone on paper. Um, but I, I believe Mike Williams will make a jump this year. Well, the reason Mike Williams didn't get a lot of balls thrown his way because he didn't play a lot, and he didn't play a lot because he wasn't blocking. And when he finally turned the corner with his blocking – all of a sudden he's seeing the field and becoming a factor in the passing game. And so uh, I think that he makes him a natural um, option there. But I think Cade Warner, I mean, he earned it. Uh, he's probably one of their best perimeter blockers, and that means you're going to play a lot. You lose uh, you know, guys like Brian Reimers. I mean, there's going to be a need there for a lot of snaps uh, for a guy that can block the way Cade can. And by the way, he can also catch the ball. I mean, that catch he made against Iowa on that two-point conversion that that's going to carry some weight into the offseason. So, yeah, they're going to bring in a lot of speed and a lot of talent, uh, but Cade Warner does the things coaches are looking for, and he's proven it. He's got it on film, and I think he's going to be a factor regardless. It's, it's hard to really argue against those two. I, I think you just look at the numbers, and, and Mike Williams seems to be the guy. And then, like you said, Robin, the, uh, Cade Warner does everything the right way, and he he's about as reliable as, as it gets there at that position. I'm going to go with a wild card, though. I'm going to say Javon McQuitty finally turns the corner. Look at you, Nate. And, and I, I, I just – been waiting on that for three I've, years now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've, I've always been a fan of his – uh, he was kind of a late bloomer in high school. Didn't I mean? He just kind of came out of nowhere, um, you know, his junior year. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of expecting the same thing. I think he, I think he finally puts it all together and has a breakout season. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We're taking your questions in the mailbag with Husker Online intern Allie Snow. What walk-ons from last year created the most buzz after a year in the program? Well, I think. I mean, if, it depends what you're looking at. I, I think if, if you're just looking at guys that played, it's really obvious. Um, Cade Warner, um, and then obviously I, Isaac Armstrong. I mean, those are the two. And then even Chase Urbach at long snapper. There's three that would be in line for scholarships. Wyatt Mazur earned one already, so you really can't discuss that. But behind the scenes, I do think there are some talented young, young guys in this program, um, whether that's Jordan Pop or Joey Johnson, 
um, you know, kids like that uh, that are going to have an opportunity here when it matters down the road um, based on making the fall camp 105 or 110 roster, et cetera. So it's a very good – they had a very good walk-on class last year. A.J. Forbes is an offensive lineman um, coming up that they like. Trent Hickson, as we know, and Hunter Miller. I mean, there's a number of uh, – I'm taking all – I, I, I mean, I'm hearing Nate and Robin just shake their heads. Like, yeah. Sean just took every guy we just were going to take. Just listed every walk-on. Every walk-on. <laughs> just just uh, be the bad Big Red wrap-up guest and say, just like what he said. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback off what Sean said here. But, no, my guys that I was going to say well, were those offensive linemen, uh, particularly uh, Trent Hickson. I mean, he was a guy no one even mentioned. At least Hunter he Miller. Start. Hunter Miller was at least – talked about mm-hmm. in the off season because they didn't have a center because Cole Conrad was hurt. And, uh, and so, I mean, we kind of knew about him already, but Trent Hickson literally came out of nowhere. And now, like you said, Sean, he's in position to potentially be a starter next season. It just and, depends on the grad transfers yeah, and what yeah, else happens. A lot happens. left to shake out there, but I mean, he's going to be in the mix and he's going to have a shot. Well, one of the few guys that, that you guys have not mentioned yet is <laughs> Shoot, Ethan, I missed one. <laughs> Ethan Cox. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's a guy who put himself in, in position to see the field a little bit and uh, will probably continue to do so. All right. So the next question we have is what are your expectations for Cam Jurgens in 2019? I think he, if he's healthy and can get through everything, he is going to contend for a starting job. I really believe that. He's that athletic. He's that powerful. He can move. Um, he can do it all. The question is durability. I know that injury he suffered was a severe one in high school. He was able to come back, win shot and disc, not at 100%. He played part of this year, then he broke up, I believe, his foot or a bone in his foot. But um, if healthy, he's got a chance to play. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And you just look at the way Scott Frost looks when he talks about Cam Jurgens. I mean, <laughs> it's like a father talking about his son. Well, people but, joke they look alike. Yeah. I mean, they're, and they're, they their do. mothers were shot put <laughs> throwers together. They threw together. I mean, their mothers yeah. threw shot together. So that's yeah, just unbelievable. There, there's a, a connection there on a lot of levels. But uh, I think that, you know, yeah, if he's, if he's healthy, he's – certainly in that conversation to be the starting center next year and it's interesting he was at one of the basketball games and he walked by press row uh, you know a couple weeks ago and I did a double take it's like holy crap is that Cam Jurgens? he looks like an offensive lineman now he doesn't look like a tight end playing offensive line he looks like an offensive lineman that's only going to continue with a full winner of offensive line specific conditioning yeah, I'm not going to heap a whole bunch of expectations on him uh, with a new position change and everything. I just want to see him go through an entire football season healthy because I don't—he hasn't done it since his sophomore year of high school. He missed junior year. He, he, well, he missed the playoffs his junior year, and then his senior year he had the the bad break, um, and then he missed this year. So it's been a long time since he's been healthy for an entire year. So I, I think if he can do that, then in 2020, you're talking about kind of a, a mainstay there at the Spencer long type yeah. guy yep. on this. All right, we got time for one more alley. What do you have? All right. The final question is going to be about beef. What is your favorite cut of steak and why mm. bone in ribeye and man, Robin and I were pretty spoiled this year. Yeah. Um, we had, I think at least three prime grade steaks on the road, Friday night tradition. We, we take care of ourselves a little bit on the road. We had one that it wasn't a prime, and you could tell the difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like a Longhorn Steakhouse. Yeah, it, it was it was fine. I mean, it was a, it was a good steak, but when you're having, like, choice. No, a prime. Yes. Choice is like the low stuff. Okay, yeah, not choice then. Prime is choice. Well, you guys sound ridiculous right now. <laughs> Let's go to Western Nebraska, man, Nate Klaus. Well, yeah, I, I'm a prime rib guy. Prime rib? Or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, prime ribeye. Ribeye, rib rib sorry. Um, preferably bone-in. 
but uh, but yeah, you guys are out here having. See, I went. I go. I'm a fillet, fillet mignon. I like the best, literally the best piece of meat on the cow. Give me that. What was the place in Wisconsin? The Tornado Room, or yeah, in Madison, Madison, and it it was. We had the pineapple. It was like a time warp going into 1960s, and we were lucky enough to get a bar, a, split, a seat at the bar. Some random guy actually offered. We joined a guy we didn't even know, who was a truck driver. By himself, and then a table opened up. And, and <laughs> like, all right, see you, buddy. <laughs> that anyway. was an experience. So, if you're ever in Madison, the tornado is it throwback, like the Drover, like you're walking of, back yeah. in time. Yeah, like it hasn't been remodeled in like 30 years, 40 years. The table was low too. I mean, it was like yeah. it was usually a table is kind of up, up almost right below your chest. I mean, the table was almost down at your waist when you mm-hmm. ate at the little bar tables we were at. But Lots of good steak this year. The Evanston one was good, but I still the Madison place was we mm-hmm. uh, the the barn. Yeah, we went the to the barn. barn that place Evanston. was good. That's newer. And then there was one other one that we had this year. Uh, Ruth Chris, Ruth, in, yeah, in Michigan. That all the chain people just rolled their eyes because yeah. that, that's a chain, but it tasted good. Nate had steak and shake with Greg. <laughs> yeah, and frozen burritos at the gas station after a Friday night high school football game. Nate got the finest cuisine Garden City, Kansas had to offer. That's, that's right. All those Kansas and Oklahoma <laughs> highways have a lot of good steakhouses. But all right, well, that wraps it up for the mailbag. Lots of recruiting talk, though, coming. Nate and I will talk offense and defense, what to watch. That's all next here in our final two segments. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we edge closer to that early December 19th signing day. Nebraska well on their way to to really having practically a full boat of guys signing um, here in December, which is going to make January very interesting, Nate. But um, I think we all kind of knew it was going to shift this way, but... Um, if you're not signing 85 to 90 plus percent of your guys in December, um, if you're if you're not going through a coaching change, um, that I mean, there's something wrong at that point. I, I think you know Nebraska and everybody in the country is going to sign almost all of their guys on Wednesday, where the February signing day is just going to be kind of some house cleaning and clean up some loose ends with some maybe academic issues or a late bloomer that emerges here and there. Yeah, that's what January is going to be. It's it's going to be. Um, you know, a lot of guys who were maybe on the fringe of getting some bigger offers that decide to roll the dice and see if those come through, uh, or they're going to be guys that, that, you know, have some academic issues that they need to take care of that, that whatever schools they were looking at or committed to decided to not sign them right away in, in December. In Nebraska's case, you know, sitting, um, you know, like you said, right, right close to a full boat here, uh, 22 commitments. And, and I think that uh, uh, you're going to see a, a handful more additions leading up to, to the signing day. So they're re- really January is going to be um, pretty nice because they're, they're probably only going to be two or three legit targets, uh, maybe, maybe four. I don't know, uh, depending on, on what the numbers shake out. But, and then the rest is all going to be 2020 recruiting. They're going to hit the 2020 class hard in the month of January, uh, especially with Frost you know, being able to be out on the road. That's, that's going to be huge. It's been, January almost has become the old May. Mm-hmm. especially when head coaches used to be able to go out in May. I mean, they, there used to be a time when your head coach could go into schools for whatever reason, the NCAA got rid of that. And that's when head coaches usually get good at golf It's in May because yeah. they, they have nothing else they can do while their coaching staff's out recruiting, spring football's done. Uh, but in January, 
you know, the coaches are out in full force, including Scott Frost. But I want to talk offensive um, guys. We, you did a nice breakdown here to start the week at Husker Online. Um, and, and really, there's not a lot left on the offense, Nate, when you kind of look at things. Uh, but, you know, is Nebraska still looking at maybe adding another running back to this recruiting class? Well, they've got three guys committed in plus Wandell Robinson. Who, so really four. Well, yeah, I mean, but Wandell's that duck R, so – uh, you know, I, I think technically he slots in a, as a wide receiver, but he's going to be a guy that that gets his fair share of carries. So, uh, but John Bivens is a player that Nebraska has been on, uh, really, you know, dating back to like last February when they offered him. Uh, he's a running back out of Ohio that that didn't play his senior year because he was coming off an injury and decided that he was going to to sit out and, and make sure that he was 100 percent healthy for college and and also take care of some academic issues that that he had uh, uh, kind of outstanding. So um, you know, and, and he's he's scheduled to visit Nebraska on January 18th. I get the sense that he's probably a backup plan just in case something goes awry here with uh, with a Ramir Johnson or a Ronald Tompkins or, just or somebody Dedrick, that somebody slides Dedrick in Mills. yeah you know if if someone slides in and, and all of a sudden you know one of those guys ends up not signing on the early signing date or, or flips somewhere else you want to have you want to have all your ducks in a row and and Ryan held is really really good at that he's been around the block he he's 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 always working a couple steps ahead and so that's what I think the John Bivens deal is is if if all the running back commits sign um, on December 19th with Ramir Johnson Ronald Tompkins Diedrich Mills I highly highly doubt that we'll see John Bivens even make it to campus for a visit in January I'll tell you that's what's impressive about this staff Nate they're not you know I think we kind of became accustomed that when things fell through with plan a you would see Nebraska go on kind of an 11th hour dumpster dive to try to find whoever they could find. And sometimes those worked out very few times they did, but most of the time you got stuck with a five-year bill of a guy that was going to stay on your roster for five years or four years and, and not play at all. Well, yeah. I mean, and let's be honest, a lot of the times their, their main targets were, were their B guys. And then all of a sudden those guys would fall through and you'd really be scrambling. Then you're looking through Sunbelt commit yeah, list. You, and yeah, basically. And, and those guys, you don't know their character. You haven't been recruiting them for, for months on end. Uh, so you're, you're, I mean, it's a total crapshoot. It's like getting married in Vegas on a weekend and just meeting it's a girl. Exactly. I mean, you gotta you gotta get to know the gal a little bit and, and what she likes and how crazy she is and everything else. Exactly. And then you find all those things out when they get here in the summer. Yeah, and it never works out. So, um, yeah, Nebraska would always fall victim to that, especially under the Polini era. They, they, I mean, they were notorious for a lot of late night dump, dumpster dives. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> trying to trying to find guys in in January. I mean, you just you don't just magically find guys in January maybe 20 30 years ago uh, when you know before huddle and before the internet <laughs> whatever but that just doesn't happen nowadays. Well, and what kind of character does a guy have if he's willing to jump on a school he'd been committed to yeah exactly so yeah the the good thing is is it always seems like Nebraska uh, under this staff has has a you know a backup plan or, or a handful of options on the table uh, just in case, you know, something happens and something goes crazy. So that's what I think John Bivens is. And 
Um, you know, and, and he's a good player. And who knows? Maybe this is a deal where where he still does have more academic work to do than than what he's leading on. And and maybe Ryan Held is uh, could you know looking at him as somebody that they could place at a junior college to maybe grease the wheels to get someone back in return. I don't know. Uh, but but that's how Ryan Held operates. He, he's he's very very smart and and is always working a couple steps ahead in the recruiting game. By the way, do you see he applied for a head job? Was it Nickel State or what was the head job he applied for? Uh, I think it was Northwestern State. Uh, like a smaller. In, in yeah, it's a directional school in Louisiana, I, I believe it was. So, um, yeah, that was that was kind of interesting. Be a little bit of a pay cut, but obviously, I mean, he's a guy that probably wants to be a head coach. He's yeah. been a head coach. I mean, coach he's been before. a head coach before. He's he run- speaks like a head coach. And you Absolutely. Talk to him. Yeah, he carries himself like one. He's been a head guy before. So, yeah, I, I think long term, uh, Ryan Held's probably not a guy that that's going to retire at Nebraska. He he's going to he's going to have opportunities one day to 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 you know, run his own program again. So uh, so I think Nebraska fans need to need to. You know, take advantage of him and, and enjoy Ryan Held while he's here. And then looking here at receiver, Nate, I mean, they've got a number of guys, but um, in your breakdown this week, you had a couple of four-star prospects um, on there to watch. Anything uh, still kind of in play at the receiver position? So Demarion Houston is a four-star uh, wide receiver out of Oklahoma City. Had been committed to Texas. It kind of reopened things. He took an official visit to Minnesota last weekend. I know uh, Ryan Held has been through there. They're working to set up a visit in January uh, because it looks like he will not be signing early. And, and kind of the same situation with, with Charles Njoku out of New Jersey. Uh, had been a long-time commit to Missouri, but but opened things back up. And, and Nebraska's really pushing hard here. And, and he's he's one of those guys that, that would bring something different to the table. He's 6'5", he's 205 pounds. Uh, I think that he could play wide receiver. He, he could even also be, you know, a, a hybrid guy. You know, when, when we're talking about um, McGriff leaving the program, Justin McGriff, I, I almost kind of feel like like uh, Charles Njoku is, is maybe a, a more polished, more athletic version of, of what uh, Char- uh, McGriff was. So uh, I think he could do a number of different things for you. Plus, he's got the bloodlines. His, his brother uh, is in the NFL. His other brother is at Miami right now. So uh, I know Troy Walters is pushing very hard uh, to, to get a visit. That's likely to happen in January. Um, and and they're, they're hopeful that they could, could snag another four-star wide receiver in this class. Nate, as we continue our, our look here on, on offense, uh, offensive line, you know, they, they got Bryce Benhart. Um, we believe Desmond Bland is still going to sign, even though it's not going to be in December. Nebraska is going to stick with him. Now, the communication, here's my concern with Desmond Bland. They just dropped his football program. I know is he, he's going to be at Arizona Western all the way until uh, June. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he graduates in May. What is that guy going to do with no football program anymore on campus at a 300-pound body, I mean, how will that guy stay challenged and conditioned to be ready to play here at Lincoln? That would be my concern with Desmond Bland. But Nebraska is still recruiting a couple other guys as well on the offensive line. Yeah, and that is the big question with Desmond Bland. And, and I don't know how close he is to, to graduating. Um, you know, sometimes there are – if you're really, really close, sometimes there are some, some classes that you can take online. Um, you know, like a Jerron Woodyard last year. He didn't stay at Arizona Western the second semester. He was back home in Maryland taking some online courses and during that time he was working out with a with a personal trainer in a gym back in his hometown so I don't know if that's could be a similar situation with Desmond Bland where he's back home and 
in uh, in Illinois working out until he gets on campus in May or what. But um, really, right now, as far as the, the remaining targets on the, along the offensive line, it's Jimmy Fritchie, who's going to be visiting this weekend. He's a big 6'7", 250-pound offensive tackle. Uh, just moved to, to offensive tackle. He had been a, a tight end his entire career up until about – you know the last five Kinda games. Fits the Matthew Anderson mold. It does fit the Matthew Anderson mold. They they like to. Re- Nebraska's mo with this recruiting class uh, along the offensive line. They wanted to recruit a couple guys that they felt like could play right away, and then they wanted to recruit a couple guys that they felt like had very very high ceilings. You had got a uh, Matthew Anderson is a is the other example of someone that they believe has a tremendously high ceiling, and Jimmy Fritchie fits that mold. He he just made the switch from tight end to offensive tackle. His he's got great bloodlines too. His dad was an offensive tackle at Purdue, played for the Philadelphia Eagles for a number of years, so. Uh, so that's going to be probably the last addition along this offensive line. All right, when we come back, we are going to close the show as we'll talk some defense. That's where all the heavy lifting still remains for Nebraska. We'll get Nate's thoughts on some key defensive targets next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we get you ready for signing day, December 19th and I'm an old school signing day guy. This will be about my, I think my 20th signing day I've covered in a row uh, around Nebraska. And it, I'm still having a hard time just adjusting to December. Um, it used to be, you know, February was this, this massive day we got to. And now it's kind of divided up. I mean, really, this is the February day. Uh, Wednesday this week will be kind of the big signing day day for Nebraska. As Nebraska will have well over 20 guys, maybe close to 25 guys sign letters of intent, Nate. So, um, it should be pretty interesting to kind of see play out, but really all the action, all the excitement today is on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, I'd say right now, Nate, there's three prospects um, that I'll be watching very closely. Ty Robinson out of Arizona, uh, pa- Paula Gates out of Arizona as well, another four-star um, for Nebraska. Those two guys particularly, um, I'm missing one. I just blanked on, um, blanked on one of my other names there. Amari Barno, maybe outside linebacker, or Lloyd Summerall. Lloyd Summerall. Okay. I'm sorry, Lloyd Summerall. Those those three guys, and and I think Lloyd Summerall feels like a long shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ty Robinson, to me, you know, way back when, you know, we got a pretty good idea that Nebraska had three kind of prime guys on their list: Nick Henrich, Messiah Newsom, and Ty Robinson. Those were kind of like their three. Yeah, last spring, those were the targets one, two, three. A B target A one, A two, A three, and this would kind of complete the trio. Yeah, yeah, it would. Uh, I mean, he has been right at the top of that list for a very, very, very long time. And, it's. I mean, everything's trending Nebraska's direction here. They're getting the last in-home visit. Um, the last in-home visit was Scott Frost. Uh, so uh, he's got the family connections to Nebraska. He's visited a handful of times. I mean, there's just – there's so much going on here uh, in Nebraska's favor. His visit that, went great here, yeah, too. Yeah, his visit was, was tremendous. Um, you know, I mean – uh, but at the same time, you're still bad. I mean, this is a big time, you know, major college football recruiting battle. You know, Alabama just had Nick Saban in there. Uh, USC is making strong push. Uh, Oregon is still pushing very, very hard. So, I mean, you're going against some, some, uh, you know, some heavy lifters there for for Ty Robinson. So it's not a, you know, it's never a slam dunk, especially when you're recruiting against a school like Alabama. But I, I do think that at the end of the day, we're going to see Ty Robinson uh, part of this class and. Uh, I mean, that's a big-time four-star talent. Noah Paula Gates out of Arizona, another guy. And, and really, the Husker coaching staff 
has spent a lot of time in Phoenix in the last two weeks. I mean, these are two guys. I mean, the, you saw last weekend the staff was out there, and then they they were out there again this week as well. Yeah, they're spending a lot of time out there because not only is Ty Robinson towards the top of your list, but Noah Pola Gates is is right there at the top too, and another four star just right outside of the Rivals one hundred. Um, you know, and, and again, you're going against some some big time schools. Alabama is in the mix. Uh, USC, Arizona State. Um, you know, Penn State is the other place that he's taking a visit to. So. Uh, some big time programs, but again, I, I think things are more and more as as things move along here. We get closer and closer to signing day. It's becoming clear to me that Nebraska is not just in the mix, but they may be the team to beat here. Um, and it's very very interesting because Pulla Gates, um, you know, for the longest time had been a heavy lean to Alabama. In fact, there was some rumors that he was a silent commit there uh, over the summer. So. You know, take that for what it's worth. But, you know, once Alabama flipped uh, Daxton Hill, a five-star safety from Michigan their way, and then Jeffrey Carter, a four-star uh, defensive back from Texas A&M their way, that left them with one spot. And they've, they're after, you know, three or four other four-star type of guys, and Pulla Gates is one of those guys. And, and they're wanting an answer as soon as possible. And, uh, and I think that spot is probably going to fill up. And so it really comes down to does Pulla Gates stay close to home and, and really, you know, go to Arizona State, or does he go to Nebraska, where his cousin, who has already signed her letter of intent to play softball, is is going to be? Plus, Nebraska just offered his other cousin, Matthew Polamau, who is a defensive tackle that that could very well end up at Nebraska as well. Also a four star guy. Also another four star guy. So, looking at the defensive line, I mean, Ty Robinson, you feel good about, and you you, you just mentioned Polamau. Well, after that, like, what else do you see playing out? Uh, Brant Banks. I mean, he's been a guy Nebraska has f- felt very strongly about for a long, long time. He came in on that very first official visit weekend for the Akron game, uh, or or whatever you want to call it. The what was supposed to be the Akron game, the Akron weekend. kickoff. Yeah, the Akron kickoff. Um, and he, but he came back for another visit to to experience a game day. I think it was uh, the, the Purdue game, maybe Purdue or Minnesota that he came back to. Uh, just like Bryce Benhart did, uh, who also visited for the Akron kickoff too. Uh, but <laughs> they're the only school recruiting him as a defensive end. Everybody else likes him as an offensive tackle. But Nebraska thinks he's like a perfect fit along with Ty Robinson to kind of round out that, that class. Now there is a Juco DN, Daytona Jackson, um, but you know that's things are a little cloudy there. Uh, but I, I do s- still feel very strongly about Brant Banks being a part of this class. I've made my prediction that he's going to be uh, a Husker uh, come signing day, uh, and he's another mid-year enrollee. So he, he'll be if he does in fact sign with the Huskers, he'll be on campus uh, to go through workouts in, in January. All right, outside linebacker, would Nebraska take? I mean, they have to feel good about Amari Barno. He was here last weekend. Uh, are they just going to take one guy at that position, or will they take two? I think that ideally they'd like to take two. And, and, and Barno is a guy that they really have to get uh, because I don't believe that they're going to get Lloyd Summerall, the four-star outside linebacker out of Lakeland, Florida. Right now all signs are kind of pointing to him either going to be a Florida Gator or a Miami Hurricane. And 
I think it's just going to be very, very hard to get him out of the state of Florida. So Barno is the guy uh, at, at that outside linebacker spot that they have to get. Now he's visiting Virginia Tech this weekend and then is going to announce a couple days prior to signing day. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and then Brandon Mack is is kind of the the guy that might be the cherry on top here um, down the road. He's he's com- committed to Pitt, has been committed to them since June, but is not signing early. And um, and so that red that flag t- for Pitt, yeah, red flag for Pitt. And he's very. You talk to him uh, about why why did you commit to Pitt? What was it about Pitt that you liked? He's like, oh, that was my first trip, so I thought I would just go ahead and commit. <laughs> So it's like it's like yeah he likes the coaches and everything but he's not like passionate about his decision and Nebraska is likely to get an official visit from him now they're going up against a handful of other teams uh, to try and get his last visit in January uh, but uh, but I think that they can get it and and he would be a tremendous addition at that outside linebacker spot if if they can get to you know him and Barno. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we wrap up a defensive prospect talk with Nate Klaus. Uh, in the secondary, you like Noah Paula Gates. You know, there's some other names that have visited campus. Tony Wallace, did you go back? Uh, you got Tavian Mayo on that board. Some other names out there. I mean, do you see maybe when you count Paula Gates, two defensive backs added to this class, or what's the number at? Yeah, so if they get Paula Gates, they'll probably take one more DB. And, um, you know, and I think that Tony Wallace would make sense as a Juco guy to give him some immediate depth there. Um, he's tremendously athletic, but they also really like uh, you know, Jamel Starks, Tavian Mayo. Those two guys have already visited. They've been on them for a very, very long time. Now, the drawback with those two is they're not uh, going to be signing early. They're going to take this thing out to January uh, or February, rather. So they, I think because of that reason, they may have, Nebraska may have kind of, um, you know, put them not on the back burner, but may have backed off just a little bit and, and maybe poured a little bit more of their focus into Pola Gates and Wallace. And now maybe the wild card here is Nehemiah Pritchett. And, and he's a, uh, uh, he's a cornerback out of, out of, uh, Alabama, Jackson, Alabama. And that's a state all of a sudden that Nebraska is really gotten a lot of traction in here over the past couple of years, really since Frost came here. Uh, they got Cam Taylor out of there last year. They've got a, you know, quarterback commit Logan Smothers, Jameen Graham, just, just, uh, committed out of Alabama. Nehemiah Pritchett is a high three star that's committed to Auburn, uh, that I think we will see him visit Nebraska in January. He's not going to sign with Auburn on the early signing day. So again, another red flag whenever that kind of happens. Well, that wraps it up here as it's going to be a very, very busy weekend and week here for the Husker Online team, not only with basketball and Sioux Falls on Sunday, but uh, just putting a bow on the recruiting class. So make sure you log on to Husker Online. We still have the great membership special as well. Sign up for an annual subscription using the code 99CYBER. Receive um, a $99 gift card right back uh, to spend in the Rivals Fan Shop. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 